This is Johnny Quest, where gripping adventure stories explode to life with blazing realism. Watch as full living animation makes possible a new kind of excitement never before seen on television. You'll travel to exotic places. You'll brave perils plotted by the most diabolical minds of the century. And it will happen every time you enter the incredible world of Johnny Quest. Every week on ABC's Wide World of Entertainment. I'm Captain Kirk. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present the winners of the 74th Annual Hunger Games. We are the men in black. I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Futus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Yes, a Jedi's trick flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. This seems a gold titanium alloy. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a Reach Cult, and you're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Hello, everybody. This is Mark Daniels from the Great Pacific Northwest, and you are listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is episode 565 for Sunday, December 6th, 2015. I'm back this week with some more classic science fiction. Today I'm going to look at my favorite cartoon series growing up as a kid. It's The Adventures of Johnny Quest from 1964. Before I get into this week's podcast, I want to thank Rico for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you some more classic science fiction. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed. With that said, I'm going to play the intro to Johnny Quest. I'll be back after the intro with some information about the series, the characters, and some trivia, and I'll end the podcast with my comments about the series.
Johnny Quest is an American animated science fiction action adventure series about a boy who accompanies his scientist father on extraordinary adventures. It was produced by Hanna-Barbera Productions for Screen Gems and was created and designed by comic book artist Doug Wildey. It ran on ABC for one season from 1964 to 1965. There were 26 episodes created. The concept for Johnny Quest began in 1963 when William Hanna and Joe Barbera wanted to create a new action-adventure series. Joe had just saw Dr. No in the theaters and wanted the new series to have a James Bond vibe to it. Bill and Joe hired comic book artist and illustrator Doug Wildey to create a new series starring radio drama adventure character Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy. When Bill and Joe could not obtain the rights to Jack Armstrong, they decided to rework the concept and create a new character. The original working title for the new series was The Saga of Chip Ballou. The next title was Quest Files 037. Remember the whole James Bond vibe? 007-037. When the series premiered in September of 1964, it was The Adventures of Johnny Quest. When the show went into syndication, they shortened the title to just Johnny Quest. Doug Wildey took his inspiration for Johnny Quest from the radio serials of the 1930s and 40s and comic strips like Milton Caniff's Terry and the Pirates. Johnny Quest was the first animated action-adventure series to be heavily influenced by comic books. The show featured more realistic art, characters, and stories than any other previous Hanna-Barbera series. Each episode of Johnny Quest blended mystery, adventure, action, intrigue, scientific marvel, and humor as the group traveled the globe. It was the first of several of Hanna-Barbera's action-adventure shows. Now let's talk about the main characters of the show. The main character of the show is Johnny Quest. He is an 11-year-old American boy who travels the world with his scientist father. Tim Matheson provides the voice for Johnny Quest. He is most known for his role as Eric Otter Stratton in John Landis' movie, Animal House. Hey, Reese, Dad was right. It was the laser beam that blasted those ships. Very clever young man. Today, the world will witness my final and most spectacular experiment. Can you guess what that will be, Mr. Bannon? Hey, Reese, the first man to the moonshot is scheduled for today. I said you were a clever young man. And in exactly 14 minutes, I shall blast it from the sky. Now lock them up. The next character is Dr. Benton Quest. He is Johnny's father, and he is a research scientist who works for the United States government. Dr. Quest is considered to be one of the top scientists in the world. John Stevenson provided the voice for Dr. Quest for the first five episodes, and Don Messick for the remainder of the series. I was right. It's headed for the lab. I'd better get down to the cave. Boy, that looks terrific. If it works. It's got to work. After all, I'm going to be the bait. You the bait, Dad? I don't understand. Someone has to lure that monster down here and into the cave. And that will be me. Now, let's head back to the generator shack and I'll explain the strategy. 
You see, I've rigged up a system of lights that I hope will do the trick. And the equipment in the cave? If I can attract this thing into position, my plan is to reverse the process by which it was created. I think I follow you, Doctor. And I think I'll just keep my fingers crossed, Dad. Me too, Johnny. The next character is Roger T. Bannon, or Race Bannon. He's my favorite character. I know uh, a lot of people my age who watch Johnny Quest, they wanted to be Johnny Quest. I didn't want to be Johnny Quest. I wanted to be Race Bannon. He's a secret agent who is Johnny's bodyguard and tutor. Race has been aside to protect Johnny and keep him from falling into enemy hands. Mike Rode provided the voice for Race Bannon. All right, Gones, what's on your mind? You'll find out soon enough. Start the prober. Negative, chum. If you think I'm letting you walk off with five years' research, think again. You laugh at bullets, American? Not at bullets, at you. Who's going to operate the prober if you shoot me? Who mentioned shooting you? But your young friend here, that is a different matter. Now, would you reconsider your decision? Don't give in to him, Race. I have to, Johnny. Your dad expects me to take care of you. Can't let him down, can we? I guess not. All right, where to? Submerge. You will receive further instructions then. Cheer up, Johnny. This is just the first inning. This ball game's got a long way to go. The next main character is Haji Singh. He is an 11-year-old orphan boy from Calcutta who saves Dr. Quest's life from an assassin's knife. He and Johnny become friends and Dr. Quest adopts him. Haji possesses mystical powers that include snake charming, levitation, magic, and hypnotism. Danny Bravo provided the voice for Haji. Thank you, Sahib. The lunch was excellent. How did you learn English, Haji? Same way I learned judo from a Moroccan Marine. He tells me about your country. One day I see. Is that why you followed us? Sure. Johnny, look out there. The man who threw the knife. The last main character is Bandit. He's Johnny's pet bulldog. Uh, he's named Bandit because of the dark markings around his eyes. Looks like he's wearing a mask. He's the comic relief of the show. Don Messick provides the voice of Bandit, as well as the voice for Astro and Scooby-Doo. There are two reoccurring characters in the show. The first one is Jade. She's Race's old girlfriend. She's a soldier of fortunes type spy character. She is as intelligent as she is cunning. The inspiration for her character was the dragon lady from Terry and the Pirates. Kathy Lewis provided the voice for Jade. Race, you're not very complimentary. You've been in Hong Kong three days, and the first time I see you is when Dr. Quest gets himself kidnapped. Do you think I had something to do with it? No, Jade, I didn't say that. But you'd never turn down an opportunity to add to your bank account. I have expensive taste, Race, but I almost never kidnap my friends. For money, that is. The last reoccurring character is Dr. Zen. He's Dr. Quest's arch nemesis. He's a mad scientist bent on world domination. He appears in four episodes of the series. Vic Perrin provided the voice for Dr. Zen. <laughs> well, Dr. Quest is taking the bait just as I wanted. <laughs> You're fooled, Dr. Zen. You brainless fool! Get out! If you ever come in here again without knocking, I'll have you flogged. Now get out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If his voice sounds familiar, it's because he lent it to another classic science fiction show of the same era. Take a listen. You might know it. 
is nothing wrong with your television set. Do not attempt to adjust the picture. We are controlling transmission. We will control the horizontal. We will control the vertical. The premise of the show is simple. Johnny travels the globe with his friend, Haji, his pet bulldog, Bandit, his scientist father, Dr. Bentonquest, and his bodyguard tutor pilot, Race Bannon. They investigate strange happenings all over the world. And every week they fight a new villain or monster. That's the show in a nutshell. I'm going to take a break right now. I'm going to play a PF Flyer commercial starring Johnny Quest. Now a new PF Flyer adventure starring Johnny Quest. Something was wrong on the volcano. Race was flashing a message in danger. Bring rope. Johnny flashed back his answer with his PF magic ring. Coming. He ran like the wind. Lucky he was wearing his PF flyers, the action shoe. Only PFs have the action wedge built right in. So you run your fastest and jump your heights. There was race. In seconds, the red-hot lava would reach him. But the action shoes got Johnny there first. Race was saved, thanks to Johnny Quest and his PF flyers. Say, boys and girls, want a PF magic ring like mine? It has a magnifying glass, a secret compartment, a message flasher, and a secret code circle. You get one free at the store with PF flyers. So get the shoes with the PF patch and get your PF magic ring free. Now it's time for some Johnny Quest trivia. Palm Key was the name of the island where Dr. Quest had his compound. The name Quest was selected from the Los Angeles phone book for its adventurous implications. Bandit is the only character that was not created by Doug Wildey. Bandit was created by animator Dick Bickenbach. The actor Jeff Chandler was the inspiration for Race Bannon. Doug Wildey got Race's name from characters from two of his earlier comic strips, race car driver Stretch Bannon and Detective Eddie Race. Dr. Quest was based on the character Wildey had drawn in a comic strip version of The Saint. I think he looks like Les Tremaine. John Stevenson provided the voice for Dr. Quest for the first five episodes until Don Messick replaced him due to similarity in the voices between Stevenson and Mike Rode, who played Race Bannon. Intelligence One is the name of the organization that Race Bannon and Dr. Quest work for. Indian actor Sabu was the inspiration for the character Haji. He will be most remembered for his roles in The Thief of Baghdad from 1940 and The Jungle Book from 1942. Some of the Jack Armstrong test footage is incorporated into the Johnny Quest closing credits. They are the scenes of Jack Armstrong and Billy Fairfield escaping from African warriors by hovercraft, and then the hovercraft goes into the Quest jet. Speaking of the Quest jet, the name of the Quest jet is the Dragonfly. Johnny Quest is the only animated television series to have aired on each of the big three television networks in the United States. That's ABC, NBC, CBS. For those of you who know me, know that I look for a Star Trek connection in everything. Believe it or not, there is a Star Trek connection in Johnny Quest. The Star Trek connection is Vic Perrin. He provided the voice for the Metrons in the first season episode, Arena. He also provided the voice for Nomad in the second season episode, The Changeling. And then he did appear on the second season episode of Mirror Mirror. He was the Halcon Council leader. And that's all I have for Johnny Quest Trivia. Here are my comments about the show. 
I have the 2006 DVD release from Warner Brothers. It has all 26 episodes and quite a few special features. It comes with a special version of the episode Double Danger, and the episode comes with Quest File Facts and Trivia. There's a featurette called Johnny Quest Adventures in Animation, which is a really good documentary put on by other animators who grew up watching Johnny Quest that decided to get into animation when they grew up. Very cool. There's a video handbook and the PF Flyer sneaker commercial that I played earlier. The picture and sound quality on this DVD are excellent. I picked it up on Amazon for about 20 bucks. 20 bucks well spent, I must say. I first saw Johnny Quest when I was seven or eight years old. I think it was like 1970 or 1971. Anyway, it was in syndication. I loved that show when I was a kid. I never missed an episode. I was in front of that TV set every Saturday morning when it came on. The thing I liked about it, it didn't look like any of the other cartoons on TV. And, you know, the Flintstones, the Jetsons, Yogi Bear, all those cartoons are are cartoon-looking. They're not real. Johnny Quest looked so... It looks more realistic than any other cartoon out there. It looked like a moving comic book. It had great stories, uh, great villains. Uh, they went to a different location every week. It was just a good show. My favorite episodes are... The Invisible Monster, and that's about a scientist who creates an energy being that just consumes all the time, and Dr. Quest has to figure out how to destroy it. And the other one is The Robot Spy. And those of you who know me personally know that I hate spiders, but The Robot Spy is very cool because it's like a spider, and it, it walks around, and it has probes, and it's very cool. Another thing I liked about the show was the use of technology. I mean, they had hovercrafts, hydrofoils, jetpacks, lasers, supercomputers, all of the stuff they had in the show, it was high-tech for 1964. And I grew up watching that stuff, and I was just amazed at it. The thing that sticks to me the most about Johnny Quest is the music of Johnny Quest. I think it's some of the best music I've ever heard. Hoyt Curtin composed all the music used in this series. You might not know his name, but if you're my age, you know his music. He did all the music for Hanna-Barbera shows like The Flintstones, The Jetsons, Wally Gator, Yogi Bear, and many others. I'm going to play an audio clip about Hoyt Curtin from a Johnny Quest documentary I found online. The music of Hoyt Curtin blazes through all 26 episodes of The Adventures of Johnny Quest and is probably the most consistent highmark throughout this wild experiment. Hold your fire. I guess it's up to race now. I hope he can come up with something. Hang on tight. I'm going to try something the hard way. Doug always said that the music for Johnny Quest was absolutely the best it could be, that perfectly captured the intent and style of the show. Here we go again. You're going right into him. That's the general idea. Huh? Fasten your seatbelt! And Joe Barbera has often called composer Curtin a true musical genius. Almost every piece of underscore you have been hearing in this presentation has been from the nearly two hours of dazzling cues Hoyt Curtin wrote for Quest. Hoyt was born in Dewey, California. And at the age of five, when the family moved to Bernardino, took an interest in the piano. 
He played with several jazz bands and formed his own orchestra in high school. After serving in the Navy during World War II, Hoyt earned his master's degree in music at USC and began working in television commercials. After working with Hoyt on a Schlitz beer commercial where the composer came up with a jingle in a record five minutes' time, Hannah and Barbara looked to him when they needed music for their first solo venture, Rough and Ready. They sometimes have their little spats, even fight like dogs and cats, but when they need each other, that's when they're rough and ready. When they asked him to turn to action and drama for Johnny Quest, Hoyt claims he simply winged an adventure theme. Ending art card, take one. Saying he simply winged it was typical of Hoyt Curtin's soft-spoken humility that masked his enormous talent. This was my impression of him when I had my own personal contact with him via his website shortly before his passing in 2000. Insert one, take one at bar 54. Hoyt said the Quest music was performed by a regular jazz band consisting of four trumpets, six trombones, five woodwinds, and a five-man rhythm section, all of them top musicians at that time in Los Angeles. Recorded at RCA in Hollywood, Hoyt says he had to stay in the booth most of the time he was laughing so hard. As a challenge to the trombone players, and because of some ribbing they had given him about writing music that was too easy to play, in the main title of Johnny Quest, Hoyt wrote for the trombone in a way which forced the slide of the instrument to have to change positions too quickly from one extreme to the other, and it made it impossible to really play correctly. Maybe not to our ears, but the composers I have played the theme for says it is right here where the trombones can't hit all the notes as written correctly. Hoyt said that that was the best they could get it, and that he had a wonderful time watching his buddies, some of the best musicians in the biz, sweating and swearing as they tried to master this impossible trombone riff, and that take after take, as they got more and more red-faced and winded trying to hit all those notes, the situation got funnier and funnier. As is often the case with productions at Hanna-Barbera, the title bestowed on Curtin for his musical contributions never allowed him to take credit for actually composing and conducting his music. Never suggesting that the man ever composed a note of all that wonderful music. There is strong evidence that Hanna-Barbera seemed focused on keeping the spotlight on Bill and Joe, saving the lion's share of the credit for themselves, regardless of the enormous contributions of those they supervise. I just don't trust anyone who smiles all the time. There's something fishy about this. The big, brassy sound of the 60s had to be one of Hoyt Curtin's fortes, because the music for Yogi Bear... Yogi Bear is smarter than the average bear. Yogi Bear is always in the ranger's hair. The Flintstones... Everything that came after included some of the most kick-ass, sparkling jazz riffs I have ever heard. A 
personal favorite is some of the trumpet parts in the end title of the Jetsons. You might have just winged it, but that wonderful jazzy jackhammer brass that got your blood boiling and your heart pumping still sounds to me like no composer before or since. Wasn't that some great music? God, I love that music. Um, on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm going to give Johnny Quest a 10 out of 10. And those are my comments about the show. If you're a fan of Johnny Quest like myself, there is a three-part documentary and the original soundtrack to the series on YouTube. Check them out. They are really, really good. And that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. Before I head out, I want to thank Rico again for giving me this opportunity to share with all of you some more classic science fiction. I also want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to me today. I hope you enjoyed it. Rico will be back next week with a podcast on the future of Trek. I'll be back soon with some more classic science fiction. Until then, everyone take care. This is M5 signing off.